Welcome to Broad Eye, the podcast that explores knowledge gaps in ophthalmology and eye care. Welcome everyone. Like here's another episode of the Broad Eye podcast. Like today we have Mark Marcou, a Canadian Paralympic uh, athlete on para alpine skiing. Uh, how's it going, Mac? Pleasure to have you here today. Hey, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. All right, man. I'm super interested about like people that do sports like me with uh, with disabilities, and uh, have a ton of questions for you. Uh, so let's start from the beginning. Like, I mean, when did you start skiing, like recreationally? Uh, recreationally, I started when I was really young. Um, I would say three, three or four years old. We uh, we had a ski hill growing up that was only, um, I'd say, 15, 20 minutes away, and it was just an easy way for my parents to get us all out and doing something together uh, during the week. So we go night skiing on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It was, you know, uh, a very small, small hill. It was something fun to do. We were, I think it were 300 feet vertical and one chair left with a couple street lights. And <laughs> it was, uh, it was enough for us to go out and have some fun and, and uh, you know, just, just play outside as a family. Yeah, I like the here in Canada, and look, I mean, for the listeners that don't live here, like it's super <laughs> important, like to have a, an outdoor activity during the winter. Otherwise, you know, we all go nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, especially, I grew up in uh, I grew up in northern Ontario, so it's uh, it's winter for a fair amount of the year, and winters are pretty harsh. So, uh, you know, finding ways to keep us outside was always uh, always yeah. a good idea. <laughs> yeah. And, and at that age, were you, was it known already that you had a visual problem? Um, no, no, I was not diagnosed with, uh, with my eye condition until I was eight mm -hmm. years old. And, uh, and, you know, it was, I was up at that point, I was seeing, uh, seeing very well. And, um, you know, I, uh, I think it, it happened very quickly. I was, I was in the, in the school, I think I was in grade three or four. And every couple of weeks I started the back of the class and I just started working my way forward. And, um, I just couldn't see the chalkboard. I couldn't see the chalkboard. So every two weeks or so I'd move forward and within, uh, you know, the time span of two or three months, I'd gone from the back of the class to the front and I was still struggling to see. So my teacher had recommended that I should, uh, I should go okay. see an eye doctor and, and get, and get something checked out. And, and that started, uh, a pretty lengthy journey into, into figuring out a diagnosis and it ended up uh, being Stargardt's disease, uh, which is a juvenile form of macular degeneration. And it's taken uh, all of my central vision and left me with 6% in the peripheral as of right now. All right, man. Uh, yeah, it, it is it is relatively rare, Alex. So I understand like how it took some time for people to nail that uh, diagnosis. Was, was Do you know anybody else that had that condition? Um, we didn't at this point, it wasn't, you know, normally it is a genetic disease and it mm. should come from somewhere in the family. But at this point, uh, um, there wasn't anyone that we knew of that, that had any uh, eye conditions of any kind. So I think it just made it a little bit more difficult to try and figure out, you know, what was going on. Um, but yeah, eventually we got it all figured out. And back to skiing. So, uh, uh until that point you you were probably skiing uh by yourself like i mean when was it that you that you started like to need someone to help you um yeah i actually i actually continued to ski um we skied recreationally until we were eight um as a family and then 
Um, after my diagnosis, we, um, you know, just started looking for sports for visually impaired athletes. And um, at that point, I'd been racing go-karts outside of skiing and spent a ton of time, you know, dirt biking and snowmobiling and just playing outside. Uh, we lived in a pretty rural, rural part of Northern Ontario. So um, our fun was, uh, <laughs> was very much uh, gasoline based. <laughs> we, uh, everything was motor, everything was motorsports. And um, when we looked at a sports for visually impaired athletes, you know, um, we looked into a, pretty much every option there was and stumbled across ski racing and, uh, you know, having already skied growing up and, and looking, um, looking at some video and, and for all the information that we could find online and gosh, I don't even know it would have been 2006, 2005. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we thought it looked like a lot of fun. You know, I thought it looked uh, like the closest thing I could get to go-kart racing. So I, uh, we jumped in with, uh, with the local ski club in, uh, in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. And, um, I actually skied on my own. I skied able-bodied for four or five years until my vision deteriorated enough that I, that I needed a guide and I needed, um, you know, someone to, someone to ski behind someone to tell me what was going on. So, um, I didn't actually start skiing with a guide until 2011. How old were you at that time? Uh, I would have been, well 13 mm-hmm. somewhere around there um it was just it was the age that i was finally old enough that i could start competing um you know within the world of para alpine skiing and i uh i figured that season my brother and i um uh, thought we'd give her a go um see what it was like you know we'd ski ski raced on our own for uh, a couple years at that point thought we'd see what would happen if we stacked both of us in the course and um, ordered some headsets online and um, <laughs> we just kind of wait just kind of winged it to be honest it was uh, it was a lot of trial and error and honestly it still is a little bit <laughs> yeah, of course and uh, I I mean super newbie question there like are, are those competitions like uh, divided by age or is it like everyone together they're they're not divided by age so it's uh they're um, I guess once you start competing you're you're in with the big dogs right off the bat. Um, so at, at 13 years old, you were, you, you were competing against like full grown adults. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's very impressive, man. <laughs> and <laughs> like, like diving a bit into the mindset and all that at that time. Uh, Cause like, you know, I love to hear those stories, man. Cause you know, like, uh, like you have so many things against you, right? Like, I mean, so you're <laughs> young and you know, you, you, you just had that, like like disease diagnosed and you know like but you, you you kept pushing you know like and you went to compete anyway so what was going on in your mind at that time what was what was your main drive like i mean to to, to give it a shot honestly we were just having fun um i think i was very lucky to have such a supportive family right off the bat when when i was diagnosed and um, my family didn't really put me in a bubble by, by any means. And I'd rather stop doing anything, a little bit of changing things up, but I, uh, I think that made a very easy transition. And, you know, as my vision was deteriorating from, you know, eight onward to where I started competing at a higher level, I think it was just all about going out and having fun and just, uh, you know, learning to improvise, adapt, overcome in a way we, uh, we were just, we were just, you know, a couple of kids getting to go fast on skis and that's all we needed. <laughs> and, uh, 
And I think that's what really kind of drove us to competing at such a high level. You know, the, the faster we skied, the more we got to ski race and it was just a win-win for win-win in our heads. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like I, I always, I always think that fun is the most reliable motivation to do anything, man. You know, it never lets you down. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's now, you know, fast forwarding 10, 10 years on the, on the world cup. I, I'd have to say that's uh that's probably my biggest motivator is just finding ways to have fun and, and, you know, keeping that feeling of, you know, just being a little kid going outside and having a blast. That's cool. Man. It, going into the technicality of it, like, I mean, you, you started uh, skiing with your brother, right? Like I mean, as, as a, as a pair of as by, by skiing, like you need a, you need a buddy, right? With you. Yeah. So first was your brother and then you, it was Jack. And then eventually, I mean, it was uh, Tristan, which I believe it's your current uh, partner. Um, it, it explain us a bit like uh, the, how that relationship goes and like, I mean, what exactly do you need from, from them and, and how hard or easy it was like to transition from one partner to another? Yeah, for sure. So the, I guess the common misconception with, with guides is that, um, you know, that they're, they're calling left and right and trying to explain as much as they possibly can. Um, but for myself, I'm in the highest classification of visually impaired, which means I have, uh, I have the most vision. Um, I'm in the most vision category, mm-hmm. so I can still so see enough where I can least impaired. Like, exactly. Okay. Exactly. That. Thank you. <laughs> um, I guess that's yeah, because so... your your peripheral vision is too preserved, and that kind of like I mean guide you a bit on where to go is, is that why? exactly mm-hmm. exactly so so it's not as much i'm getting you know cues left and right it's a mm-hmm. lot more of you know explaining different terrain changes where we are on a course different combinations that are coming up um especially in especially in uh tech races um so it's more so just giving me more of an idea of my surroundings um and giving me kind of the best opportunity to succeed um a lot more of what I'm doing is watching what's happening, um, you know, in their skiing body position wise and, and, and watching what's happening with their feet. So I can see where all those micro train is. I can see where the, you know, little bumps and, and, and little things that might, you know, toss me out just a little bit. So I'm just paying attention to as much as I can. And, um, and, you know, taking in the little bit of cues that we're getting on the way down um, in order to, you know, try and put together a decent run. And because, I mean, I would assume it takes a lot of skills, right? Like to be a guide as well. And they need to be like very good skiers as well, not to slow you down. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been, uh, I've been very fortunate with guides. You know, they've all been super strong skiers. I think my brother, I ski with the longest out of everybody. And we had a little bit different dynamic in the sense that we were both, you know, progressing at the same time. So, you know what, we were lots of days where, you know, we spend a lot more time on the ground, I think, I think mm-hmm. crashing and, and, you know, just, just trying to figure it out together um, up until he retired. And, you know, I skied with a lot of guides in and out um, throughout my brother's career as, you know, he was injured a, a fair amount throughout, throughout the seasons. And, um, and then, you know, as I transitioned from um, my brother, I skied with actually Robin Femi, the a fair amount um, throughout throughout that six or six or so years that my brother was skiing, and 
And so I had a taste of what it was like to ski with a different guide. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it was, for me, it was a really cool opportunity to get to ski with somebody different, um, in the sense that, that, you know, everyone has a little bit different style of skiing, a little bit different technique and even the mindset going in. So just being able to jump in behind, you know, Rob and then Jack and now Tristan, you know, all who are phenomenal ski racers, it's, uh, it's pretty cool to be able to jump in and, you know, take a little bit from, from each of them in, in a sense. And, and, you know, there's a lot to learn by skiing right behind somebody. So it, uh, it's been, it was always really cool. You know, there's, there's definitely a learning curve as you, as you switch guides, you go, you know, there's, um, there's a the at the beginning, you know, there's a lot of just trying to figure out what I need and for me to be able to relay that information as much as possible so that, you know, we can get on the same page as fast as we can. And then, uh, and then from there, it's pretty seamless. We just kind of put on miles. And I think the more we ski together, the more, uh, more confident we come with each other. And it, uh, fortunately so far, it's, it's always, it's always worked out in the best way. I've been super lucky. You know, they're all really great guys as well. So it's, uh, it's been a blast. Yeah, I, mean, I can imagine. And it's still on the, on the training there, like, because, uh, like, I mean, any sport, there, there are very known ways of training, right? So if you want to become a better athlete, you just, you just follow sort of like the rules to improve. But in your case, I, I, is there any structure way to guide, like the way you learn, like something that has been done in the past that you're just trying to repeat it? Or you, you, it's, it's really a try and error and you're there like just, just, like exploring ways like to, to, to go down fast? Uh, it's more so of trial and error. You know, there's, there's, there's only so many different ways you can really um, ski in a course. Um, you know, you only have so much opportunity and, and like within, you know, the turns that are already set for you. So when it comes to actually, you know, skiing and training, I think the best thing we can do is go free ski together right off the bat and just, you know, calling all of the, all of the information that they see and just, you know, practicing, relaying, relaying that, you know, bumps, jumps, rolls, stuff like that stuff that so just becomes really second nature. And then from there, it makes a lot easier transition into a, into a training course. But other than that, it's uh yeah, it's pretty much just winging it. We, uh, we go out, we see what works. If it does awesome. If it doesn't, we, uh, we go back to the drawing board and try it again. That's cool, man. Um, uh... So switching from tra training to competition, uh, I, I, I've, I've been to a lot of competitions myself, so I, I, I kind of like, and I, I, I understand a bit, you know, like in the drive and the rush that we have from competing, but I also know that it means different things from different pe for different people. So when it comes to you, like, I mean, what is the experience of competing and, and eventually uh, winning? <laughs> It's... Uh... Competing is, is exactly what you said. There's a different, there's a different feeling. There's a different drive you get when it comes into a competition season compared to, you know, a very long training season, especially over the last year and a half or two years. Now the training seasons have been very long and with very little bit of racing. So, um, but I think it's, I think it's very much evolved over the years. You know, when I was younger, I was just so eager to, uh, to race and just to, you know, get as much, mileage under my belt and taking as much as I possibly could. And, you know, as I get a little bit older, it's, it's evolved a little bit to, um, more so kind of a picking and choosing which races 
I need, um, in order to, you know, I need to, I need to get some racing in my belt, but also, you know, nowadays I'm managing a lot more things that I didn't have to worry about when I was younger with, you know, just taking care of my body and trying to make it last for a whole season with, uh, you know, injuries piling up over the last 10 years. Yeah. And that's uh, not going to get better, man. Let me warn <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So we're, uh, we're just kind of these days we're, we're, there's still no better feeling than racing. And, you know, there's, there's really, it's, it's even hard to explain when you, when you get down to the bottom of the run, you see that you're, you know, potentially in the green and, um, and that you had a, a run that was good enough to land yourself on top of the box. It's, it's such a, I don't know, it's this overwhelming sense of pride you get, especially after long grinds and, you know, maybe lots of ups and downs. I think it's, you know, just a little bit of gratification knowing that you did, um, everything you were doing in the past is, is brought you to that point. And, um, you know, now it's, now it's time to, you know, not, you know, celebrate a little bit, but now it's, you have to look forward right away and look at the next step and see how do we, how do we keep landing on the box and how do we, uh, you know, keep progressing. Cause I think it's very easy to be like, Oh yeah, one. And then you, you know, you're proud you shut her down and, I think it's it's a whole nother ball game to you know look at a race run and even though you you came out on top you still have to be able to dissect it figure out where you could get better and um, come back the next day or the next race with uh, with even more intensity. Yeah, so say like the the only important matter is the next one, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so as we talked, as you kind of like started talking there about the future and all like, I mean, it's very cool, like how you, how you always focus on improving, even when you win, right? So that's a mistake that some athletes do, like when after, I mean, there's, there's this cool try, you either win and you, or you, or you learn, like, I mean, assuming that you only learn when you lose, but you know, you also learn a lot when you win, if you have the correct mindset of always improving. Uh, so you're still a young man, man. So what does the future hold for you? Like, I mean, is you want to just keep going, having fun and, you know, improving and collecting medals or <laughs> like, are you, you, you have any more specific, uh, uh, goal, you know, like, I mean, for, for your short-term and long-term future. Um, I think, I think for the short-term, short-term, we're really, you know, focused on, um, the next eight, eight, 10 months or so, you know, just rolling into Beijing, 2022 we're uh we're grinding and gearing up for uh for a really big season so we're uh i'm super excited to be to be honest it's uh it's been a long long four years this has definitely been a, a crazy block between games so just um yeah you know digging deep trying to keep the motivation up and and uh really just looking forward to getting back racing and and having fun but i think um you know, after the games, I've been, I've been focusing a lot, um, on sport outside of ski racing in the last, in the last couple of years, especially, you know, I, I'm a big, um, believer in, in progression of sport. And I've had the opportunity to, um, you know, play outside and just dabble with, with sports that aren't usually, uh, aren't usually available for athletes with a visual impairment. And I think, you know, I've had so much fun and I've learned so much over the last couple of years that I'd really love to, you know, kind of pursue those along with continue to ski race for, for a while and, you know, just find different ways outside of skiing to stay motivated. Um, 
and uh, and really just kind of see how far I can push myself in, in you know, various aspects of sport. You know, I've been t- spending a ton of time in the backcountry in the last couple of years and um, between skiing and, and snowmobiling. And, um, and I also spend a lot of time here in Whistler. And I think a byproduct of living in Whistler is, uh, you know, caught the bug for, for mountain biking throughout the last 10 years. And um, these days it's gone from, gone from just a cross training sport and somewhere to go have fun to something that I really want to push myself in. So um, yeah, that's kind of the idea is just to, is to continue to ski race as much as I can, but I think take a little bit of time after the games and just, um, you know, explore and, and see what, what I can push myself into. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Uh, okay. So I mean, we, I mean, people that are not necessarily related to sports like they see those gold medals and they assume that everything went just perfect right and you know, like <laughs> we, we know that it's, it's never the case and a lot of things happen that you know are unpredictable and are far from ideal uh would you like to share like i mean any interesting cool funny story that happened like i mean while you're competing with the audience <laughs> yeah absolutely i think uh that is definitely uh Definitely uh, the view from the outside looking in a lot of the time is um, if you see athletes having a fair amount of success that, you know, there's a lot of sunshine and rainbows going with it. But <laughs> we've had, uh, you know, a lot of ups and downs over the last 10 years and, um, you know, lots of days that are really good or followed by days that, you know, set you back months at a time. And, <laughs> and uh, it's when when you talk about the grind it it really is a constant grind you know one day you could be standing on top of the podium the next day you're sitting in a hospital bed or waiting for MRIs to take care of your body and I think um that's something that's always a little bit behind the scenes you know you know athletes get hurt and get injured but over the years um you know I can attest (laughs) I can attest to that to you know things not holding up the way they used to and I spend a lot more time with uh with our team physios and um you know thank god for them they've they've been able to keep me in the sport as long as i have and you know if it wasn't for them i uh <laughs> i'd be walking around a very sore man um so mm-hmm. it's uh it's cool man like uh, along with you know getting hurt there's also the the fun side of sport that also isn't really seen much you know we, the little couple days we get in between training where we can you know take in our surroundings a little bit and the opportunity to travel the world and meet so many cool, crazy, fun people. Um, you know, it's, it's made it a very enjoyable, um, career so far. And I'm, I'm just, you know, so excited to get back to seeing all my friends on the world cup and, um, you know, getting to enjoy the camaraderie between, um, nations and between, you know, different, even uh, categories, you know, between, uh, between all the athletes we got on the circuit there's such a good crew of people and it's always so much fun so it's uh yeah it's it's really exciting and super it's super rewarding you know when you're you can really get stuck in the grind and and focus just on racing but i think if you take a step back and you know really just take in your surroundings sometimes you know even just catching a really really sweet sunset or a sunrise and you know (laughs) looking around and, and just appreciating where you are it's been uh it's been very cool. Yeah, no, indeed, man. No doubt about it. Uh, 
Mac, as we as we start getting close to a wrap up here, like uh, your story is obviously uh, inspiring in itself. Uh, but I wonder if you could uh, leave us a little message, like particularly for you know, like young athletes that you know, like sometimes they have uh, like a lack of confidence, and for whatever reason, they 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 have those like self-imposed like limitations, you know, like and and, and they leave the they let those like um, minor weaknesses, you know, like I mean, stand on the way of their, their progress and eventually like their glory. Uh, so any message to them, man, to stay determined? Because like, you know, you, you're definitely an example for that. <laughs> Honestly, I'd say that the, the best thing you can do is just find, keep finding ways to go and have some fun and, um, you know, take things seriously, but not too seriously. Um, at the end of the day, there's always going to be another one um every time the sun goes down it's going to come up in the morning which is pretty sweet and you know having the opportunity just to try again is is something that's that's pretty cool and i think if if you are struggling you know mentally and just trying to find ways to get back to that feeling that you had that really draw you to sport or drew you to doing whatever you're doing um try and find ways to to get that feeling back and it'll make it uh a heck of a lot more enjoyable um you know as you as you go through the ups and downs if, even if you have bad days if you're still having fun it's uh it's pretty hard to call it a bad day yep that's a worth of wisdom man coming from a young man <laughs> uh mac it was a pleasure man look I mean, it was very nice uh sharing with you uh as i said again as i said already i'm gonna say it again it's a very inspiring story Uh, we had a few people in our podcast already that have been athletes that went through a lot of limitations and accomplished things that most mortals like, cannot even dream of. So uh, congratulations, man, for everything we've achieved uh, already. And <laughs> I'm sure you're still going to achieve a lot more. Hey, thank you so much. And just thanks for the time to chat this morning. I had a lot of fun. All right, man. Have a good day, brother. Right on. Take it easy.